Daniel said, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central. I'm glad that you took the initiative to be with us this morning um, and excited that you are joining us as we desire to worship God. As Daniel stated a little bit earlier, and some of you know this already, we started our new series last uh, week titled Become. It's a sermon series that's uh, tied to our vision initiative here at our church. A vision that um, has been at the heart of this church, but it's about taking steps of faith uh, to become the church that God is calling us to be for his glory and for the good of our city. And so with that, we are asking two main things. The first thing that we are asking around this initiative is that you'll take prayerful consideration of how you can engage financially. The second thing, and more importantly, is this, is that everyone, as Dan said, from the, from the toddler to the elderly in our church would be uh, involved and committed, um, participating fully on what God is calling us to do as a church um, and how he's challenging us to be and become um, that in this area of our life. And so if you're a guest, we don't want you to uh, start grabbing your pockets tight because that's not uh, what we're looking for. In fact, if you're a guest, it's really good uh, that you are here so you can hear more about our heart as a church uh, and what we, what we desire to do here. Um, and so we're glad you're here. Um, we want to really deeply impact this city. Um, and so let me tell you a little bit about Become. So uh, Become is... Uh, 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 an initiative for us because one of the things that, a few things that we want to do um, is we want to raise leaders. We want to raise gospel-centered leaders uh, here through our church. Uh, and we also want to be specific about the leaders that we raise in our church. Uh, we want to raise minority leaders for our church. We always want our church to reflect uh, the city of Durham, but we also want um, that leadership in our church to do so as well. And so we want to be specific about raising minority leaders in the church. I am a minority leader. I've been invested in uh, throughout my ministry life, uh, and it's essential that uh, it is a part of the church. Um, it also impacts uh, our denomination. As you know, uh, only 1% of the teaching elders in the PCA are African-American. Um, so we, we want to impact that as well. The next thing we want to do is that we, we want to plant churches both local, like locally and globally. Uh, and so uh, with planting churches, we, we want to plant churches and send people, maybe even from our leadership pipeline, uh, to plant churches here in the city of Durham uh, and wherever else God leads us. We also want to partner with uh, uh, national or uh, global organizations to, be, uh, organizations to be able to plant churches there and maybe even send folks to uh, participate in the gospel in those places. We also want to be uh, more impactful with our mercy and justice here in the city. Uh, we get the opportunity to work on homes with folks in our uh, repairs ministry, and we get uh, partnerships with uh, schools and our educational partnerships, and we get to uh, bless folks and uh, support teachers in our community. Uh, and we want to do that well, and we want to do that better. And then lastly, uh, we are seeking a permanent home. Uh, we've been here uh, over in Haytai a little over five years, and, and we love this, but, but at the same time, we want to remain uh, foundational here in the city. Uh, and so whether that is uh, a rented or a long-term lease or a purchase, uh, that's our desire. 
And so all four of these desires have always been at the heart of our church. We just feel like now is the time and we feel led by God to take the necessary steps to fully uh, bring these things to fruition. And we are trusting God and depending on you with that. So let me talk a little bit about church planning now that I kind of have your attention a little bit, I think. Uh, I'm excited about church planning. I'm not going to share my personal story around uh, church planning. I replanted a church about six years ago, and that's, that's my experience, and God did some amazing things. Instead, I want to share with you from uh, what Scripture gives us a glimpse in Matthew chapter 9. So if you look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through, 30, uh, through 38, you'll see this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Essentially, what is being said is that there is an unending need for gospel-centered churches, members, ministers, and servants of God to be on the ground doing the work, to be a catalyst for God's redemptive plan by reaching those who have been unreached by the gospel through God's plan A, which is the church. And so we have this desire, and we want to plant churches, and we need your help. And so if you are passionate about planting churches or passionate about seeing these things come to execution, about God's mission in Durham and beyond through church planting, then I'll ask that you would join us and pray and think deeply about how you can, uh, how you can contribute to its execution through our Become Initiative. Listen, uh, Christ Central, the world is, uh, that we live in is becoming something. Uh, the city that we live in is becoming something, uh, and so are we. God is doing work in and through us, and he's not done with us yet. Uh, as Daniel said, that one of his favorite passages is Philippians 1.6, and it happens to be one of my favorite passages as well. Like, God is, he that began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so while I'm talking about become, we have to think about who we are becoming, not only as individual people, but also collectively as a church. And so um, here at Christ Central, we have five values. Uh, and last week, Daniel spoke about us, uh, spoke to us about delighting in God. This week, I'm speaking on our value about resting in grace. And so I want to ask you to engage with me. Um, and you don't have to say amen every time I say something. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you to engage with me with your heart. I'm asking that you'd engage with me in your mind. I'm not just a pastor up here saying words. This is actually something that I have to live through just like you do. And so I'm not speaking down at you, although physically I'm standing here uh, upwards. But I'm, I'm actually, I, I really want to squat down and like sit with you and talk with you. Because uh, when we talk about this concept of resting in grace, here at Christ Central, we believe that no one is too good or too bad, too beyond the need or, or the reach of God's grace. Grace is offered freely, 
So we need not work for it. We simply receive and rest the grace offered to us in Jesus Christ. Didn't that sound good? I didn't write that. It was on the website. You can go check it out and read it. <laughs> but but, but, when we, but, but l- let me challenge you with this. We see grace and are able to rest in grace when we see our limitations, when we see our weaknesses and accept that through Christ we have the sufficiency and the power needed to live and thrive. That's when we begin to see what grace looks like and what it feels like. And so I'll share this story and then I'll read our passage. And so on Monday I got a call from a college friend of mine. Uh, he, we uh, were in the same ministry. We discipled one another. He's a dear brother to me. He happens to be a, a pastor in Charlottesville, Virginia. So we did the traditional, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm um, doing good. And it's typically a FaceTime call because we like to look at each other um, and, and see each other's faces. And so, um, so we did all of that. And he's like, man, how was Sunday? Well, Sunday was good. And he was like, man, listen, I was blowing your phone up and you didn't answer. I was like, yeah. He was like, what's up? I said, man, I'm, I'm struggling, man. I'm, I'm wrestling through uh, some frustrations. I'm wrestling through some anger. I'm just, you know, he said, well, man, he kind of, he didn't blow me off, but he was like, man, let me tell you something crazy. And I was like, I'd love to hear something crazy. I probably need to hear something crazy because I've been thinking about my crazy all week. So uh, let, me, let me hear it. He was like, man, so I was walking down the street, just getting some time with the Lord. I was meditating on this passage that I'm trying to memorize. Uh, and, man, you know, I was, you know, just walking. I was like, yeah, I was trying to memorize this passage. He was like, my grace is made sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And, man, I was just walking. I was minding my own business and, you know, kind of meditating, man, actually getting some really good time in with the Lord. He says, I looked up. And there was a bear standing in my face. And so I paused because I'm like, well, he's talking to me. That means he didn't get ate by a bear. Uh, but, but I'm like, yo. I said, what? Bro, what? Like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, man, it was a bear in my face. And I said, okay. And so he keeps going. He said, so I looked at him and he looked at me and I looked at him and we just kind of were staring at each other for a short moment. And he said, I slowly pulled my headphones out. And I, in my head, I was like, why are you pulling your headphones out? What is that going to do? Do you feel like it's going to be faster? Because you <laughs> took those out, put them in your pocket. He's like, no, nah, I took my headphones out. And, and I was just thinking, man. He was like, I was like, all right, I've been working out at the Y. Man, I'm about to use all, he's, I'm about to use all of my in-shapeness uh, that I've looked at the Y. He said, man, I just took off. He was like, bro, I'm serious. I probably clocked a 4-4. And in my head, I'm like, you, you, then you felt like you did. You didn't. You didn't run a 4-4. And so I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to him on this FaceTime call, and, and I just, I begin to think, I'm like, first of all, like, I wonder, did he know that's the passage that I'm preaching this week? I hadn't told anybody which passage I was preaching, and he happened to be telling me about this passage that I'm preaching. And I said, man, this is interesting because he said, you know, my, my, my weakness and, you know, my, my, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. And I get here and I'm like, you might be tough, Aaron, but you're not tougher than a bear. Aaron, you, you might be strong, but you're not stronger than a bear. You might be fast, but you are not faster than a bear. And I went to Google how fast a bear can run. And a bear can run 25 miles an hour. 
And it said that the, the, the humans can run 28 miles an hour. Now, I have a small problem with that because I was a college athlete and I've seen some really fast guys. And those guys run 28 miles an hour, maybe. But me, I'm not running 28 miles an hour. I'm like five on a good day. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm thinking through this, but, but situations like this, it helps us to see our limitations, and it also helps us to see our unending need for grace. Resting in grace is understanding that we have limitations, weaknesses, and more often than not, we do not have the power to change them. That's the reality. We think different, but that's the actual reality. We are not as tough as we desire to be. We are not as strong as we desire to be. We are not as wise as we desire to be. We're not as wealthy as we desire to be. And let me just say this, it's okay. It's okay because in all of our weaknesses, in all of the areas that we have pain, and in all of the areas that we are insufficient, God and his grace is sufficient. So I ask you to stand as we read the scripture. That was an introduction. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Three times I pleaded with you, Lord, about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that at the power of Christ, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. We are, grace, we are grateful that uh, you have brought us into this place. God, I pray that you would help us continue to see our need for your grace in all of its power and sufficiency. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So can I ask you a question? Have you ever had a thorn in your flesh. And some of y'all just got real spiritual on me and went philosophical. And I'm talking about a physical thorn. Have you ever had one in your flesh? They're bothersome, aren't they? All right, so, so, so uh, God blessed us with a home a few years ago. And on our street, if I'm not wrong, everybody on our street has at least one tree in their yard. Every, and, 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 most, and most houses have multiple trees. And so everybody has at least one tree, but, for, but somehow um, the, the house that we purchased had no trees in it, but had four rose bushes, all right? Two yellow thorn, I mean rose bushes, and two red thorn uh, rose bushes, all right? The two red ones sit in the grass, and the two yellow ones are up closer to our porch, and they wrap around, and yeah, and so if you've never been, like, close, like, so everybody comes by my house, and people love them, they compliment them, and they, they want to ask me all types of questions about how I keep the rose bushes looking so good. And the reality is, is that most people love roses, but they don't love 
the roses that have thorns. It's kind of like our life. That's kind of how life is set up. I mean, people make quotes, right? Stop and smell the... Oh, come on, y'all. Stop and smell the... All right, all right. Um, and then when you go to a grocery store and you buy roses, what happens? Do they have thorns on them? Often they don't. And so we, we, we love roses, but we don't like authentic roses. We like the roses that have the thorns trimmed off of them already. So in order to enjoy, I, I'll challenge you in this, in order to enjoy the beauty, you have to get up close and personal in it, uh, or you can admire it from a distance. When you go and you get a rose, they, they have to cut, and in the process, uh, you, you cut roses. If you've ever cut roses from, uh, from, from the bush, you'll know that they have thorns in them. And sometimes if you don't wear gloves, and even if you do wear gloves, like, they'll get you. I had a thorn in my finger one time, and it's like a little splinter, but it just, it, it, was, it was frustrating. It, it's, it, it like hindered things that I did. I couldn't grab my phone right, which, you know, we need to grab our phones. I, I couldn't type. It was just bothering me. It, didn't, it never went away. And even after I pulled it out of my finger, it was still like swollen and red and itchy. Right? It's like that, like in life sometimes, right? We get this beautiful thing, but yet it comes with so many complications and challenges and frustrations. So, so what is a thorn? What is Paul speaking about? There was a lot of history about the study, and some people thought Paul was talking about a physical ailment. Some people was talking about his suffering. Some say it has something to do with his eyes. I, I don't know if it's that important for us to actually figure all of that out, but we do know that he went to the Lord three times. And we do know this, that a thorn uh, is something like a splinter. It's, it's pointy. And, and further Greeks study shows that a thorn can be equated to some type of trouble, some type of suffering, or, or some type of woe, or a serious inconvenience. Notice that in this passage that Paul didn't ask God for grace. Instead, three times he asked God to remove what was bringing him pain. It's kind of like this. For three times, God, I've asked you, like three times, God, like, are you there? Do you hear me? God, I've asked you three times. I don't feel you near. And God's response was this, my grace is sufficient. I've been hurt. I'm afraid. I'm angry. I'm frustrated, and God is like, I know, I hear you. My grace is sufficient for you. God, why won't you take this sickness and pain from me? Why, why don't you remove this thorn that I have? My grace is sufficient, and oftentimes our answer is, but I don't want your grace. I want this pain removed. And that's where we are. That's what we do in life. That's what I do. I, I, God, I don't want your grace. I want you to remove this pain. I, I want you to remove this history. God, I want you to remove that person. I don't want your grace. And God repeatedly says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. And we say, I don't want your grace. But listen to this. Here's the reality about grace. 
Grace is always on God's terms. Grace is always about his plan. Grace is always for his glory. And grace is always for our good. We are only the recipients of this grace. We don't get to, uh, to come up with the plan of how this works out. We, we just receive it. But we know how Scripture teaches that God is all, like he's always good. He said, no, I'll give you my grace. I'll give you what is better for you. I'll give you something that is better. Here at Christ Central, have you ever been there? squad down a little bit early and I'm asking again because have you ever been at that place right where you've prayed probably more than three times and no response is the silence that God has forgot about you is the silence or the unanswered prayer that God is not listening to you well we know that scripture teaches against that God always hears us that he's always present And so is the silence maybe the fact that God has given you the grace that you need to endure the thorn that you may have? God said, no, my grace is sufficient. So what is grace, Pastor Aaron? Grace is unmerited favor from God. It is when we get what we don't deserve It can be also winsomeness, it can be favor, it could be goodwill, it could be a gracious gift or some type of deed, some type of thing that we benefit from, from God. And so you don't have to ask for it. Paul didn't ask for it. He asked for the pain to be removed. Grace is given to us freely. And so God's grace is sufficient in all things. His grace is sufficient for Paul, and so that means that his grace is sufficient for me. So what does that mean that his grace is sufficient? God's grace is sufficient. It means that it is adequate. Most of the people in this room know what sufficiency means. It means this is, it's adequate. It means that it is enough, but this meaning right here, this portion, this explanation of it just it grabbed me. It said that it means that you need nothing more than my grace. That you don't, you, didn't, you, you need nothing more than my grace. That the sufficiency of his grace in the midst of our trials gives us the permission and the guarantee and the ability to rest in grace. He says, my power is perfect in weakness. Here's the cool thing about weakness, which we don't necessarily like in our culture. Here's the cool thing about weakness. Weakness is the door to to experience the power of God's grace. Let me say that again. Weakness is the door to experience the power of God's grace. Well, Pastor Aaron, what do you mean by that? Uh, We live in a culture that is dying for authenticity, but struggle to commit to it. We're dying for authenticity, but yet we struggle to actually be authentic, right? We struggle to share our weaknesses, and oftentimes we are told to be strong and can't even handle the weaknesses of other people. Y'all tracking with me? 
We, we can't handle the weaknesses of others. We, we, don't, we lack the empathy to be able to wrestle with folks. So, so what I mean by that is that through the throes of our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities, then we are able to see the end of ourselves, therefore leading away to embracing the magnificent power of God's grace. That is where we are authentic, or that is where authenticity is. And authenticity is vulnerability with God and others, and empathy and compassion for others. You see how that plays out? Like, it's being vulnerable and, and allowing your weakness to go before you with other people. It, it's opposite of what we say, right? Like, we say, put your best foot forward. Scripture kind of turns that upside down, doesn't it? And I'm not saying, like, intentionally bomb an interview or you know, don't do your best at something. But what I am saying is that we get in this natural rhythm of I need to be together wherever I go. And the reality is we're not. I wish that I could say while I'm standing up here preaching God's word that I have it all together. Right? I wish that I can say I, I have everything in check. I'm, I'm, I'm so disciplined with my spiritual disciplines. I'm, I'm so good with keeping my eyes focused on Christ. And I'm so good with, with like, remember to, remembering to pray. I don't have it together. And my assumption is you don't either. And that's okay. Authenticity is vulnerability with God and empathy and compassion with others. It's hard to boast in your wins and success when you are vulnerable with people and you have empathy and compassion for them. It's hard to do that, y'all. So what are some practical ways to rest in grace? Spending time not trying to earn it. I'm a doer. I'm a fixer. I am uh, I'm impatient. I try to earn it, even in gifts. Like if somebody blesses me and does something nice for me, in my head it automatically turns on like how I can pay them back. Anybody else do that? Like somebody was just generous and you're like, I got to be generous now, which is cool. But we try to earn it. I'm a doer. You just ask my wife. I'm a doer and a fixer. Like, I ain't even going to go into the details. We don't have enough time. But I'm a doer and a fixer. Something's wrong. Great. I'm here to fix it. What we need fixed today? That's me. And I try to fix things so I can create my own grace. Somebody ain't hear that. I try to fix and do things because I want to create my own grace. And you can't earn it. The other morning I was up and it was a pleasant morning. Uh, my children were up. I have four kids. They're awesome. And I was in the kitchen and I was singing a song in the kitchen. It, I, I don't think it was a gospel song, uh, but I was singing a song and I was excited about it. Uh, and my son, who's eight, is sitting on the couch and he says, like, it was so funny. He didn't ruin my day, but it was so funny. He looks over and he says, Dad, you're doing the most right now. And in my head, I was like, man, I'm enjoying my morning. And I did get him back because he was like sitting on the couch, super lounge. I'm like, and you're doing the least, you know, like, 
So take that. Uh, see, see, I don't have it all together. Crashing on an eight-year-old. Uh, and so, and so but, but that's the reality. Sometimes we are doing the most. We're doing the most. And, and let me just say, you can't do enough to earn grace. You, you just can't do enough to earn it. That's why it's a gift. That's why it's unmerited. It's not based on anything. If we could earn and earn grace, y'all, we would kill ourselves trying to get it. And oftentimes, if we think about mental health and we think about some of the things that we participate in on a day-to-day basis, not to get too deep, we actually do kill ourselves trying to earn it. Stop doing the most. You can't do enough. Grace is unmerited favor, and it is absolutely, beautifully, without a shadow of a doubt, it's not able to be earned. Amen? The next one is sleep. Really, Pastor Aaron? Sleep? Yeah, sleep. Let me read you this passage. In 1 Kings, uh, let me make sure I'm in the right. Yeah, 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. A broom tree is symbolic for a place of divine interaction or a place of despair in the Old Testament and in scriptures. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take uh, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And an angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Herb, the Mount of God. The first question I had was, what kind of cake did he eat that gave him sustainability for 40 days? I need that in my life. I need that for my kids because our grocery bill is crazy. We need that type of cake and that type of water. But, but, but here's what I want to get to. Elijah was tired. He was depressed, he was broken, he was fed up, he was emotionally disturbed, and he was suicidal. The angel of the Lord touched him. That's grace. He talked to him. That's grace. He encouraged him. That's grace. He told him uh, to get some sustenance, some food and drink, and that's grace. Guys, take a nap. No, no, I'm serious. This man was suicidal and depressed. He ate, he drank, and he was encouraged, and he went about his day. I'll I'll get to it a little bit. Take a nap, eat some cake, and go drink your ice-cold glass of water and rest in God's grace. Now, I'm serious. Like, go to Ninth Street Bakery when we leave here and get you a a, a good piece of cake. Or you can go out uh, to, to, um, uh, what's the name of that place out in South Durham? Uh, Nantucket, they got really good cake. Go to Nantucket and get you some cake and get you a big glass of ice water or a beverage that you like and rest in grace. 
D.A. Carson said this. Like, so, so we, we struggle in this area for minutes because we, we like to do stuff. We don't rest in grace uh, because we trust our own strength. And grace is seen and most demonstrated in the midst of our weaknesses. Believe it or not, y'all, sometimes our lack of physical rest can not only be prideful, but it also can lead to the foundation of our doubt. D.A. Carson says this, when we are not at our physical best, we are more susceptible to doubt. Doubt may be fostered by sleep deprivation. Sometimes the godliest thing that you can do in the universe is get a good night's sleep. Not stay up and pray all night, but sleep. Go home and take a nap. Verse 10, Paul says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The thorn was given to him so that he would be humble. Paul never asked for grace. Paul asked for the thorn to be removed. God did not answer his prayer. Instead, God gave him God didn't answer his prayer. God didn't remove the thorn. Instead, God pointed him to what was most sufficient, which was his grace. Like Paul, right, sometimes we are allowed hardships. We are allowed inconveniences, both large and small, and God sees them all. Sometimes he doesn't prevent them or remove them, and sometimes he gives us the grace to endure them. Resting in grace is uh, so that the power of Christ will be able to rest upon us. And so in this, we learn to be content. Paul said that I am content in all of these things, in my hardships, in my inconveniences. Paul said I'm I'm not trying to run away from them. I'm actually going to be pleased with them. That's what contentment means. Contentment means I'm pleased with them. And so Paul says that, I'm going to be content with my weaknesses. I'm going to be well pleased because through the grace of God, we are what we are. Even in weaknesses and suffering, it is his grace that sustains us and makes us strong. So I'll ask you this question and then I'll pray. What in your life is pressing on you enough so that you can see your need for God's grace? What in your life is pressing on you? What in your life keeps coming up? What in your life is that thorn that is just irritating you? But it helps you to see God's grace. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. It sounds a little bit funny to say that phrase, and I think I say it a lot without understanding the depth of what you've given us in it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see our limitations and see our weaknesses. I pray that in those things, you'd allow us to be able to rest and trust in your grace. God, I pray that you'd forgive us of our sin uh, when we've gone astray, when we've missed the mark, when we've offended you, when we've offended others. I pray that you help us see grace in our lowest places and that you'd help us see grace in our highest places and that we would just be able to rest and trust in you. Lord, we thank you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen.